against all odds. We're, we're going to look at uh, 1 Samuel 13 and 14, chapters 13 and 14 for our lesson this morning. <clears throat> and this is, I think, one of those uh, lessons from the Bible that's probably not talked about that often. Um, maybe some of you this morning won't really have heard of this, or, or maybe you have, but you've forgotten about it. So hopefully um, we'll be able to look at this. And if you have, hopefully see maybe some new insights. Um, Samuel, during this time of, this is the end of the, the time of the judges, where Israel was ruled by uh, a series of judges and that kind of thing. Um, but during this time, uh, Samuel was kind of the main prophet for God, uh, his mouthpiece to the children of Israel, and, uh, and that's how God would communicate to everybody through Samuel. Uh, and the children of Israel had decided that they wanted a king, and um, that, you know, they didn't like the way things were going and that they wanted to change. They wanted to be like the groups of people around them, and they wanted a king to rule over them. And um, God advised them against this through Samuel, said, you know, this is not going to be what you think it is. It's not going to be a good decision for you to make. And, um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, the, the, the people, grant, uh, you know, groaned and moaned and complained as the children of Israel uh, were so good at doing, as you see throughout the Old Testament. And so they, you know, decided that they wanted a king. And God gave in to this demand, and he, he told Samuel that he could anoint Saul uh, to be king over the children of Israel. Um, Saul was about 30, uh, from what I could tell, that uh, when he became king over Israel. And this was, what we're going to talk about today would have been during his second year um, as the ruler. And during this time, we have the Philistines occupying uh, large portions of Israel. And so I've got um, a graphic up here to kind of show how this works. Um, you can't really see it that well, but right here, this is uh, the area where the Philistines typically were, but now they have come in and they are controlling large portions of, of Israel. And um, obviously, the people don't like this. Uh, but there's not really a lot that they can do about it. So what Saul does decide to do is he decides to put together an army, or at least a, uh, a legion of, of uh, soldiers um, that he could you know, do different things with. Uh, this was about 3,000 men that he put together, and his son, Jonathan, was put in charge of one group of 1,000 of, uh, of these men. And... He took these soldiers and took them to Gibba, which would have been a city right around in here somewhere, as far as I could tell, close to Gibeah. And he led a raid, I guess, against a garrison of Philistine soldiers there, and he defeats them. And when that happens, Saul quickly starts blowing trumpets throughout the land to let all the people know what he had done and what he had accomplished and that he had attacked and defeated the Philistines. And so word quickly spread uh, throughout uh, Israel that, that this had happened. And, um, and he, all, he, he was also calling the people together to meet him. Not what I meant to do. 
to meet him right here at Gilgal uh, to see what would happen next. So, so he's putting the word out. This is, this is the great thing that we've done, this accomplishment. And he's saying, I need you guys to come together uh, to Gilgal to, uh, to help out. But we have trouble with the Philistines, unfortunately. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 5 through 7 read, And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots. Uh, some translations say 3,000 chariots. From what I was studying, it's probably more like 3,000 chariots. And 6,000 horsemen and troops, um, and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of uh, beth Aven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the, uh, of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Okay, so the Philistines also obviously knew what happened. And they decide to act by putting together a massive, massive showing of troops and moving into the area uh, to do away with this problem of the Israelites trying to rise up against them. Around this time, uh, Saul would have been down from his 3,000 down to about 600 men. Um... And uh, because the people, like it says here, they were just deserting left and right. They were leaving. They were scared. Uh, They saw this massive, massive army that was moving in, and they were terrified, and they didn't want anything to do with it. Also, right after this, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 18 through 15, we see that Saul makes an unlawful sacrifice to God. And uh, so basically what happened here. Saul was supposed to wait seven days until Samuel could get there to consult with him and to go to God on his behalf and to see what to do next and so on and so forth. But Saul, because he was scared and because his faith was weak and because he saw this massive army just like the rest of the people did and because of his own troops deserting left and right, he gets worried and he gets frustrated and he goes ahead and he says, just bring this stuff to me and I'll make the sacrifice myself. And that's what he does. He makes the sacrifice. As soon as he makes the sacrifice, though, Samuel shows up, and he's like, what have you done? And he goes on to tell him that uh, because he's done this, uh, God is going to take the kingdom away from him. He, he tells him that he would be looking for someone, a man after his own heart, that will replace him. And so you could imagine how discouraged and frustrated Saul would have been right here with all of this, but at the same time, if his faith had been in the right place, then maybe he would have made a better decision. So we've got, just to recap how bad this situation is, we've got what was a a force of 3,000 people now down to about 600 people. We've got Saul making a mistake and uh, bringing, you know, God's disappointment on him. And on top of that, we see that they don't have any weapons. Um, this is uh, from 1 Samuel chapter 13, uh, verses 19 to, through 23. It reads, now there, were, 
Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, Lest the Hebrews make themselves swords or spears. But every one of the Israelites went down to the, to the Philistines to sharpen his plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, his sickle. And the charge was two-thirds of a shekel for plowshares and for the mattocks, and for, three, and for a third of a shekel for sharpening the axes uh, for setting the goads. So on the day of the battle, there was neither sword nor spear found at the hand of any of the people with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul, uh, but Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. And the garrison of the Philistines went out uh, to the pass of Michmash. All right, so we have this terrible, terrible situation. You can see how bad the outlook must have been. The odds are completely against Saul and Jonathan, his son, and the children of Israel right here at this point. You can imagine... Um, just how depressing that this must have been and how you could see no way out of it. But, thankfully, Jonathan had a plan. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 tell us, Now it fell upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistine garrison and <clears throat> that is on yonder side. But he told not his father. And Saul abode in the, ut- in the uttermost part of Gabeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. All right, so we see right here what, how these two different people, this father and son, react to the situation. They're both sitting in the same terrible situation, but you see two different reactions here. You see Jonathan acting while Saul did nothing. You've got Jonathan saying, let's do something. We can do this. And you've got Saul sitting under a tree, and you can imagine, I just kind of picture him there being miserable, uh, thinking how bad things are and how it's all over now and, and whatnot. But... Two completely different outlooks on this situation. We got Jonathan saying, let's go up and do something. He didn't tell his dad about it, but he's going to go and he's going to do something. 1 Samuel 14, 6 through 8 tell us, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, and this is what Jeff just read for us a minute ago. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And this is another one of those just quotes from the Bible. You guys have heard me speak a few times here lately as I've been filling in. And that's just kind of one of my things. I just love these quotes like that. um, Where he says, It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his outlook is, We've got God on our side. It doesn't matter how many soldiers are out there. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons we have or that we don't have. What matters is God's will, and that's going to happen regardless of all these worldly material things. It goes on, and I like, it, I like this as well. I think the arm bearer 
Uh, I wanted to throw this in there because I really liked what he said as well. He says, And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. So now we've got two people out of the 600 or so that are left going to, to try to do something about the Philistines. And evidently, Jonathan had some type of, of, of revelation from God that, that he would get a sign as to what he was supposed to do. So him and the armor bearer, they go out and they show themselves to the Philistines. <clears throat> and Jonathan says, if they look at us and they say, uh, stay down there and let us come to you, then we will know that you know, this isn't supposed to happen today and that, that God's not going to deliver us from this situation. But then he says, if we show ourselves to them and God says, or and then the Philistines say, come up here to us, then he'll know that God's on his side and that God has already delivered these people into their hands. So they go, they present themselves to the Philistines. The Philistines look out and say, hey, you down there, come up here and let us show you something. And I can imagine that was, they were wanting to show them maybe either come up here and let's smack you around and show you, treat, you know, show you a lesson, or it might be, why don't you come up here and see these fortifications and see what we've got and all this kind of thing. But, um, but so that's, what's ha- that's what happens. And they go up there, and the Philistines say, come on up, let us show you something. So he looks and he says, all right, they, God has delivered them to us. They go on up, and they kill about 20 people, and after that, a great confusion breaks out, and we have Philistines fighting Philistines. Uh, it talks about a great trembling, um, whether that was an actual trembling or if it was just talking about um, how you know, terrified and, and how chaotic the situation was. But so we've got Philistines turned against each other, killing each other, and it's just total chaos. And, um, and then in this uh, great commotion, Saul sees what's happening, he gets his people together. He goes up to join them and to help out. Uh, and then all the other people that were kind of hiding out started to come out and join. And then they take off and they, they get the uh, Philistines on the run. But as you can see, this is just a, 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 an incredible uh, situation here where we see faith and trust in God. And we see that you know, God can deliver his people from whatever circumstances may face them. And um, as it happened, the Phil- they, they went ahead and driv- you know, continued to drive out the Philistines. Um, but I think we can definitely learn a few things from this today. And one of those lessons from this event in history is that we must ask ourselves, is our faith active? Are we going to be like Jonathan in situations and want to do something? Or are we going to be like Saul in situations and want to go sit under a tree and, and pout. So we either have faith in action or faith in action. James 2, 14 through 26, if you read that passage, um, I'm not going to take the time to read the whole thing today, but that passage will make it very clear that, that if you have faith and you're not doing anything with it, then you have a dead faith. Um, I think that's just a very, very powerful lesson to us that 
our faith must be active. Also, Romans 8.31 tells us, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? We've got to make sure that we have a strong and an active faith for our God. Another takeaway from this is about discouragement. We're going to have discouraging things happen in our lives. We're going to have discouragement. But we can't let that get us down. The strongholds of Satan are many, and they always have been many. But for, 2 Corinthians 10.4 tells us, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds. There's never been an easy time to serve the Lord, and we have to realize that, and we have to know that when God is on our side, we can do anything, and we can't let ourselves get discouraged. We've got to always remember that no matter, regardless of our circumstances, we must always be able to look for God, look to God for encouragement. Another takeaway from this is that we must fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the life eternal, whereunto thou wast called, and didst confess the good confession in the sight of many witnesses. Um, fighting the good fight of faith is not an option for us. It is something that we are expected to do. If we are Christians and we call ourselves Christians, then we have to... Uh, be working to further God's kingdom. And we can also learn from this that we must serve the Lord in our youth. Um, like I said, uh, Saul himself was a fairly young man at this time, so his son, uh, Jonathan, must have been even younger. I don't know exactly how young he would have been, um, but he didn't use his youth as an excuse. He used his faith in God for strength uh, that moved him to action. Jeremiah 1, 6-7 tells us, Then I said, Our Lord Jehovah, behold, I know not how to speak, for I am a child. But Jehovah said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for to whosoever I shall send thee, thou shalt go, and whatever I shall command thee, thou shalt speak. So we can't let youth, for some of us, be an excuse to not, you know, to choose to not do what God wants us to do. In conclusion, I'd like to say that hopefully uh, we can learn that we all need to have the courage and the, and the zeal of Jonathan in this situation. And that hopefully we all have a plan and that we will work toward that plan to further the kingdom of God. And also, when I was reading and studying for this, I came across um, the words of Samuel kind of in his farewell address of sorts to the people. And I thought I'd like to use his words as part of the invitation because I thought that it applies so well. So I'm going to look in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 20 through 25. And it reads like this. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have all done this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. 
For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it pleased the Lord to make you his people, or make you a people for himself. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. And that's what I would like for this morning. I would like for all of us to consider the great things that God has done for us um, and think about how blessed we are to have a God that loves us and to have a God that we can go to for strength and, to for, and most importantly, to, for forgiveness. And if there's you know, anything that you need this morning, um, you, know, you don't have to go through the things that you're going through your life alone. Uh, you have a God that loves you, and you have you know, a church family here that you can lean on as well. So with that being said, if you have any need this morning, um, whether there's something in your life that you need to confess and have prayers for or just anything at all, uh, please come forward as we stand and sing this song.